Uh, the reading today that we're going to turn to now is found in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the Gospel of Mark is chapter 9. And uh, we're going to be reading starting at, at verse 2. And we're taking uh, this reading today because in many churches uh, there will be reading this. And we have the privilege of being on the radio. And so we'll be reading this passage also. And this, the, um, this is one that's, that is often turned to in the, uh, on the Sunday before the start of Lent. And so that's uh, why uh, this passage is, is chosen. So ahead of this, Jesus is at uh, Caesar of Philippi, which would be uh, Mount Hermon. And, and, and uh, he has given, Peter's made his confession, and Jesus has followed up with uh, the teaching that he's going to suffer and die. And so in verse 2, this is where the six-day time period comes in. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. And then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Thus far, the reading from God's holy word. Our scripture today is Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 13, where we'll be for the sermon time. And we'll begin with prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you have given your word as a firm foundation. We thank you that Jesus calls us to build our life on his teaching by putting them into practice. That when the storms come, that we will stand. And Lord, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would bring about changes in our thinking, that we would be in conformity to our Savior and Teacher, Jesus. Uh, we ask that the preaching would be faithful today. Uh, we ask that he would be our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Title of the sermon today is A Secret Glimpse of the Glorious Christ. And I use the word secret here because in verse 9, we read, As they were coming down the mountain, 
Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The question before us today in, in this passage is, does God speak to his people today? And the answer is yes. The Bible is the word of God. And we hear God when we read his word. I recall as a young, very young man visiting a church in another part of the state and hearing a guest preacher state that with the radio off, he was driving home and he heard God speak to him out of the dashboard of, the, of his car. And, and that's not how we understand it in uh, the Reformed churches, we hear God when we read his word. We hear God when his word is faithfully preached. And there's a God-given charge when pastors are ordained in our churches where the person giving the charge reads from 2 Timothy chapter 4, as the Apostle Paul addresses Pastor Timothy. And he says this, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. In other words, at the time of ordination, you're gonna take on this work of proclaiming God's word, you're gonna be judged for it. You're gonna stand before God and give an account of that. And Paul said, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That's very descriptive of our age when the Bible is presented, the teaching of Christ is put forth, and people just want to put their hands over their ears and turn away to something else. Paul said they will turn their ears away from the tr truth and turn aside to miss. We see that today in our world where people are really promoting fantasies as uh, something that is reality. Well, for the church, we're interested in truth, truth that comes from God. And we hear God when the Holy Spirit takes the word and brings it to bear upon our hearts. So if you want to hear God speak, you read the Bible, you pray, you interact with Christian friends that share what they have learned with you, you go to church, you hear to hear the word preached. And the Holy Spirit will take all that and bring it to bear in your life. We have this account of a very strange event in the ministry of Jesus in Mark chapter nine. It's called the transfiguration. And it's something that we need to believe in, we need to understand. We need to do that by faith, of course. We were not there, Jesus took th only three of his disciples he didn't take all of them. He took only what's called his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. 
those that were the closest to him, and they went up on that high mountain, and they were all alone. And you, you can imagine uh, what an encouragement this was for them uh, following this time, because during that six-day interval, they were reflecting on the fact that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to die. And they hadn't anticipated that. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. They thought he was going to bring in the kingdom right away in, in, in the manner that they understood it. But here we see them taking part in, in a, an amazing uh, gift. They were uniquely privileged, Peter, James, and John, to be having this experience being with Jesus. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter is going to speak about this in his letter, in 2 Peter chapter 2 at verse 1. Peter said, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's what some people think. They think, well, you know, the disciples made this up and, and um, uh, Paul will also say that the gospel is not something that man made up. Uh, Peter said here in 2 Peter 1, 16, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So they, they saw the glory from heaven that came upon Jesus. In other words, they saw him as he truly was. Now, at this point in time, it's the time of his humiliation, and you know people didn't even realize how much he had given up to, to, be, our, to be the servant of God. And Peter writes, he received honor and glory from God the Father. And so this is the event that he's referring to what we call the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And it's a Greek word that means to be changed in form. A word that we would use, uh, uh, the root word of it that we would use to describe the change of a, of, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Uh, and, and so here it's a, a dazzling uh, white clothes are given to them uh, to, uh, P, uh, excuse me, to, Jesus and, and the other uh, people that show up, Elijah and Moses. His clothes in verse 3 became white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And so now, not only is Jesus there, but the two greatest prophets of the Old Testament come on the scene. And they're in glorious splendor. Moses, you recall, led the people of God out of Egypt where they were slaves. Moses was the one who brought down the Ten Commandments, God's law from Mount Sinai. And uh, when he was on the mountain, the, the cloud came and covered it. And the Israelites uh, saw the glory of God there uh, as a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Uh, Moses led the people of God to the border of the promised land. He didn't get to enter it himself. But he was 
the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. In fact, at one point, the Pharisees are going to say, we're not the disciples of Jesus, we're the disciples of Moses. And then we have Elijah who comes later on, and he's the one who calls people to faithfulness to, to, to God's word. And, and he brought God's word to rebellious rulers such as Ahab and the wicked queen Jezebel. And they mistreated him, and they threatened him. They challenged the uncommitted Israelites. Uh, they, they were going between two ideas here. They thought they could worship the false gods of Baal and Asherah, and I, I, Elijah calls them to worship the true God of Israel. He said, how long will you halt between two opinions, going back and forth? If God is God, serve him. And he waged a spiritual battle then with the prof false prophets, the false prophets of Jezebel that ended in uh, his sacrifice, the sacrifice of Elijah being burned up and the false prophets being killed. And then in our story today that he ascended to heaven in a fiery chariot. So here we have Moses and Elijah. They're alive. They're in glory. And they come to visit with Jesus. And they're, they're talking with him. What were they talking about? Well, Luke chapter 9 tells us in verse 30, it fills in where we would read in Mark's gospel. It's what the gospels do. They're different accounts. And they, they bring together the details of that, that help us with a complete picture. And their, their conversation was concerning Jesus' exodus, his departure. In Luke chapter 9, we read, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. And it's the same word for exodus. So that's what they were talking about. The, the death of Jesus in Jerusalem. And what an encouragement that would have been for our Lord who is, yes, truly God, but also truly man. But for the disciples, it was a frightening experience for them. And Peter's own admission shows up in this gospel. If you wonder, why did Peter, Peter say this? Uh, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Look at verse 6, he did not know what to say, they were so frightened. Luke chapter 9 said, he did not know what he was saying. And that's what happens sometimes when people are, are stressed and talk a lot. They say stuff, they don't even know what they're saying, it doesn't make sense. Well here, Peter just said something, shall we say, rather stupid. And God will direct Peter. That's a good thing, and that will come just a bit later here as we see this glory cloud in verse 7, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. We see the cloud, we remember the glory cloud on Mount Sinai where God called to Moses, God called to Moses from the cloud, and to the Israelites looking on, it was like the cloud, the cloud looked like consuming fire on the top of the mountain. And Moses entered the cloud, and here the cloud comes and, uh, and, and envelopes, uh, envelops uh, the, uh, the three people, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. 
And this statement, Jesus, this is my son whom I love. Jesus is God's beloved son. The voice was that of the heavenly father speaking to the disciples about his son. It's one thing I hope people in the church never get wrong, that Jesus is God's beloved son. This is my son. And 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, he received honor and glory from God the Father, is what Peter recollects here. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter said, I was there, I heard that. I heard the heavenly Father affirm this was the son. And they heard the voice of God, the Father, saying that. And so here is the direction for us. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. There are all these voices in our culture about how to live life, about you know, the confusion of right and wrong, of sexuality and so many things. If we listen to all that, well, we're surely going to be confused if we try to ponder this on our own and weigh it in the balances. But here's our direction from the Father. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. It's just that simple. Listen to Jesus. He said to his disciples before his ascension to go into all the world, bring the gospel to every creature, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So this is how we are to, 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 to regard the teaching of Jesus. Peter goes on to say in his letter, he said, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you'll do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So if you were in a dark place and you saw a light and you would, you would go to that light, that, that's how you are to be drawn to uh, the word of God. And the word of God uh, in the prophets now has come to pass. And so Peter said, yeah, pay attention to it. When I was a, a young father and my children were growing, I would tell them quite often, hey, pay attention. And now sometimes they tell that to me, dad. Dad, you got to pay attention. Well, we have to pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. And look at this revelation of who he is in glory. You know, someday we'll be like that too. That's what John writes in his letter. We'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. So we have a wonderful glimpse it doesn't continue on. Verse 8, suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. It was all over. But they had this experience to encourage them, to take them through this time when Jesus would be rejected and whipped and crucified and die. And so Easter is a key to understanding this manifestation of the risen Christ. 
uh, the disciples did not understand what had happened. And there's a time limit on keeping the matter secret. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So after Easter happened, they, they, they should tell the story, and they do here. So we see they were told ahead of time. It was part of the prophetic work of Christ. They were told ahead of time what would happen. And we see who Jesus is. He's the son of God. He's not whoever you want him to be. I, I get that kind of response from people sometimes. I tell them about the Christian faith, tell them about Christ. And they say, well, you know, that's God to you. And, and uh, for me, it's something else. And, and this is how people deal with the claims of Christ sometimes. I, I think of my brother uh, serving when he has to serve at the fellowship time between church and Sunday school, and he's bringing around the coffee, and he tells me that he pours half of decaf and half of caffeinated. I'd be very disappointed getting coffee from him. But when he pours it, and they ask him, is this decaf, is this regular? And he'd say, it's whatever you want it to be. And that's how some people think God should be, whatever you want him to be, whatever your concept is of a Messiah. No, that's not, that's not what God says at all. He is announced in John's gospel by John the Baptist who says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the Passover Lamb. The Passover Lamb, the one who, whose blood is put on the doorpost that, that keeps uh, the family from being destroyed and is brought out of slavery into the promised land. He's a Passover lamb. The book of Hebrews, the writer says, he's a great high priest who offers himself as a once for all sacrifice because the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Elijah surely knew this when he offered sacrifice, the sacrifice on Mount Carmel uh, over against the uh, sacrifices of Baal and Asherah and that contest, there's only one God to be served. And it's only through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. He is the son of God. And Jesus says, because of that, he can lay down his life and take it up again. And so we have the identity of Jesus. He's fully human and he's fully divine, fully God. The Heidelberg Catechism asks a question about the mediator that's able to make us right with God. Who is this mediator? True God, and at the same time, a true and righteous human. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who was given to us completely uh, to deliver us and make us right with God. How do you come to know this? Uh, the Holy Gospel tells me. That's where we find it. And we, know, we see the Lord here as a prophet above all prophets. The book of Hebrews says that he's the great and final prophet. And he's a prophet above all prophets. And here he's prophesying. He's, 
He's telling his disciples ahead of time. He told them just a little earlier in, in, in the chapter uh, ahead. He just told them a little earlier uh, that he was going to go to Jerusalem and die. He is a glorious Christ who interprets his death and resurrection on Easter evening when he appears with his disciples. And he opens the scriptures and he teaches them that everything that's written about him in the Old Testament and the Psalms and the prophets came to pass. And that repentance needs to be preached now, starting in Jerusalem. He is a glorious Christ who interprets this. And his death is a key to understanding the Bible. And so Jesus said, as they were coming down the mountain, he gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So yes, it's a secret for a time, and it's now for us to, to, to share with others. But, you know, often you can share the gospel and people still don't get it. We have in the book of Matthew, Jesus offering a prayer. And he says, God, Father, I thank you that you have hidden things from the wise and learned and revealed them to babes. And so what we need to do is, is have a childlike spirit. We need to humbly receive God's word. And these things won't be kept from us. We need to ask God to know his son. And so we have a short glimpse, this very strange event, but to tell us who Christ really is. So when you think of him today, don't think of him riding on a donkey. Yes, that happened. He did that for us. He was born, came down from heaven, laid in a manger. Yes, that happened for us. But he's a glorious Christ, and he's not on the same level that we are. He's, he's got a name above every name. He's a king of kings and lord of lords. And being a Christian requires a high view of Christ, a high view. He's not one you argue with. He's not one you say no to. And there are other voices that will call to us to lead us astray. But Jesus is God's beloved son. And what did the father say? He gave us our orders. He said, listen to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you make this so simple. And yet, in our sinful nature, we often forget. Uh, we, we are not the ones that can determine how to live rightly on our own. We need your word and your spirit. We need the, the Lord Jesus to follow after. And so we pray this, that our life would be that of a disciple, uh, that our life would be one of the redeemed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.